Welcome to Drinking During Business Hours. Hi, Season 2, Episode 9. And today we have a really interesting guest. Scott Butterfield is really special to me because he's not just, I mean, yes, he's a wine guy, but he's also really creative. He's a filmmaker. And he just created and directed and wrote this really gorgeous, gorgeous film called Tawar. And just the way he so elegantly portrayed the wine industry, it was just unique and, and creative. I can't wait for you to see it. And I met, I met Scott about a year ago at a wine event, and, um, and we just got along famously. And he's kind of been my, my go-to wine guy ever since. Uh, this episode, well, he brought his own wine, which was really heartwarming to me. I thought that was really, really more than cool. And so he's going to talk about his wine during the interview. But this particular episode is sponsored by one of the best Barolos in the world, Aldo Conterno. It derives from the best Busia vineyards in the heart of Barolo. And here's our interview with Scott Butterfield. Scott Butterfield, hi. Hello. Welcome to Drinking During Business Hours. Thank you so very much for being here. I am actually pretty excited. You know, <laughs> you are the first guest, a, a couple things where you're the first here. You are my first wine person, so to speak, like where, where you know, you are really, um, you're a wine enthusiast and uh, you are the, uh, the wine buyer for Flask Fine Wine and Whiskey in Studio City, the uh, most prestigious uh, wine store in the valley. Oh uh, um, yeah, I mean I it's just a close it's just, to that. It's just a fact, in my yeah. opinion. It's just a fact. I, I love it there. I whiskey love hanging too. out in whiskey, uh, and and you also are the first guest to ever bring a bottle of wine to the show. Like usually we provide it, and this is like so very well, kinda, very nice. I had to because listening to your show before, you would bring in wine that would you know kind of describe that person that you were yes. with. You really tried to pick something out where... And he listens. You know, oh, <laughs> this is kind of you. Um, so this is the wine that I picked that, to me, was you. Oh! Um, so it is a Diamond Creek Red Rock Terrace 1994. Wow. And a little about it. I think you know a little bit about it, but Diamond Creek is a very old, very reputable um, winery in California. In Napa, they were one of the very first ones to really divide their vineyards up based on soil and climate. Okay. Nobody was doing that really in California at that time. Ah. So they're really pioneers in that regard. Red Rock is really cool because it's filled with this kind of uh, brittle type of like iron rock. Oh, so yeah. the wines <clears throat> usually have a little bit more velvety tannin right mm -hmm. away, but Red Rock was... Um, and Diamond Creek especially was something that was meant to last a long time. So 1994, man, what a great year for film 1994 was. Oof. Wow. Um, it was no 99. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, mean, no 99, but 94. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I wow. like, think this wine I, has a beautiful color. It's aged to the point where you get a little bit of that, what's called bricking kind of on the edge. Yes. Um, and again, it's a little bit more subtle, put together. It has a lot more of this, let's just say, layers to it. It's kind of sometimes hard to describe that when you taste wine, but it's always a textural thing. Okay, um, you're describing you first, me to a T. Yeah, this is you, I'm very impressed. Mm -hmm. So when you first <laughs> when you first taste it, you're gonna get this like 
sprite juiciness to it. Okay, um, yes. The wine is going to... I would have to attest. Yep. <clears throat> I see that's what I hear. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's what... <laughs> and the wines, the wines when they're young are pretty concentrated. Okay. And they're yeah. also a little bit standoffish and not quite ready. You I can, was a snob when I yeah, was young. Yeah, you can so tell... It was, it was a snobby wine when it was younger. You can tell the potential is there. <laughs> um, Better with age. Yeah, and right now, um, you should at least try it. Well, Sante, um, yeah. thank you mm-hmm. so much for bringing such a special bottle and being yeah. thoughtful. Goodness. Yeah, you get all those kind of older flavors mm. that come out in wine mm. and it's really silky at first and then it kind of fizzles on the tip of your tongue a little bit mm-hmm. and then you get a little bit of tannin on the back, but it's mostly towards the cheeks. You don't get a lot on the finish. It's more fruit. And, and it's beautiful, it's tasty, and you can like keep tasting the fruit. So, and that is exactly how it tastes, ladies and gentlemen. How Scott <laughs> is describing, he's you are, and it's you because <laughs> this is not topical wine. This is this is not wine I'm that not is topical. following trends. Yes, that's um, true. It's very it's very <laughs> of its time and place and personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know it's kind of a phrase that's overused in wine, but. I think it's legitimate. It's honest wine. Um, oh. That's not really trying to hide anything. And yeah. it's, what it's giving to you is what it is. There, yes. There's no masks. Yes. To it, there's there's nothing to hide here. Which is what you here. can do with wine. So yeah. Well, thank it's you. It's nice and refreshing to taste something like that. Well, thank you. I'm really mm-hmm. flattered that you chose this wine. It kind of looks unfiltered to me. It's it is. Just, it's very okay. Yeah. So it's it has really a dense. touch of cloudiness to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's dense. And it's 1994, so this wine's 24 years old. 24, like me. And Man, you are just <laughs> yeah. so right on. You are just, this is, yeah, I can't get over how yep. exactly. you And it'll be, you know, in 10 years, <laughs> it'll be 34 and even smoother. Oh, um, yeah. That, I would say that this has potential for even more age, would yeah, you? Or definitely. Red, yeah. Rocks, uh, Red Rock and Diamond Creek is known for that. Okay, um, okay. The, the golden years of California Cabernet would be, kind of be in the 70s um, and then a little bit into the 80s. 80s. And, you know, the popular opinion in that world is that later on, they weren't as good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, <laughs> Because no. obviously this is delicious. Is it, but, yeah. you know, they started to change their styles a little bit. Um, and especially into the 2000s, then you started to really have, um, like, even now, if you have current release Diamond Creek, it doesn't taste like this. Um, it, it, it's not, I'm not trying to denigrate the wine at all, yeah. but it's not meant to be aged for 30, right, 40 years. Right, that's it not their objective. It has a little objective. bit more drinking pleasure right now. Yes. It's still very honest. It still has mm-hmm. everything that you'd expect from that kind of wine. But again, styles and tastes change. And a lot of people don't want to wait 10 to 12 years no, to drink a wine. I never understood <clears throat> people who, you know, like just sit on their wine for a decade or more or well, it was even uh, years. I mean, depending on what it is. But we are, I think we are living, people don't realize maybe in America, they don't realize this because our, our wine history is not as long, mm-hmm. but we're really living in a golden age of wine. The, what we, we can get um, and what we have access to mm-hmm. is something that, I mean, even in 2000, wasn't really there. Um, you can walk into any wine shop, any really good wine shop and get yeah. some really, really unique and interesting things that you wouldn't be able to find 15 years ago. Oh, that's interesting. So the, our What's... ability now as a consumer to go and search and find really new and interesting and unique things mm-hmm. is at its peak right now. And, and why, why is that? What was the change? What, what made the shift from, mm. um, just people being more savvy and requesting more interesting 
wines. Yeah, I think it's a natural natural evolution of maybe people's drinking mm-hmm. habits, you know. And Americans in particular. Yeah, especially when they're not used to that as part of their culture. Mm-hmm. When you have, you know, Europeans and, you know, even places like Argentina and Chile who've grown wine for hundreds of years. You have that yeah. really interwoven into a fabric of, you know, many parts of their life. One of the really interesting things that got me into wine right away when I didn't really even know about it was that kind of multidisciplinary multidimensional aspect to it Mm. with a really good glass of wine like this and a bottle Mm -hmm. i can talk about cuisine and geology and language and culture Mm -hmm. and everything else that has to do with that coming into the wine so i think it's stimulating yeah and and other countries kind of got that intrinsically because they grew up with that whereas in the U.S., we didn't quite have that, especially all around. In California, you do. Right. Oregon, Washington, some places in New York that mm-hmm. historically have grown wine for longer. But now there are wineries in all 50 states, you know? So yeah. God, that's crazy. Gotten, even when there shouldn't be. Even when there shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're not going to specify which yeah, states. So, but, so we've just yeah. evolved to the point, I think, in our drinking habits where that's we want new stuff we want right. to try different stuff and even stuff that we like um we can find mirrors for that in other places well i so. think i think that's really exciting you mm-hmm. uh, have the most amazing wine descriptors of anyone <laughs> uh anyone that i ever have run into at a wine tasting and um the other day we were tasting some great wine and you said you know Previous uh, previous vintages, or I, f- I forget what you were you were comparing it to, but you said usually this region is childish, but this particular <laughs> wine has more of a parental hand. It was something. It was I, spanked a few times I, and I, smacked I just it beside love the head. That. I think a lot of um, psalms that are fresh out of school are just using, you know, very kind of passe adjectives, which they have read. And I'm not even sure they know what they're saying, quite frankly. You know, Mm -hmm. I I mean, when they describe a a Sauvignon Blanc like gooseberry and you're American, it's like, okay, when was the last time you had a gooseberry? When did you have a gooseberry? A ripe gooseberry. (laughs) But but the books are, you know, are are from the UK where gooseberries are, I believe, indigenous. So that's why they they just know. So, you know, and and so it's just kind of fun to challenge the, you know, the fresh Psalms out of school that are just want to pontificate what they know. You and know? it's to me that is one of also the attractions of wine is it can it's it's a fun game because it has it's to deal with language and metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading this book. I finished this book called Neuroanology by mm-hmm. um, neuroscientist who wrote a book about how the brain creates the taste of wine. Oh yeah, um, and it's fascinating how he describes the way that both flavor and taste, how those you know when flavor and taste molecules, how they become processed by the brain and Mm. essentially what it is is creating an image in our heads Mm -hmm. so when we smell something um that is what is created an image when we taste something it's created an image so the trouble is trying to find words to describe this image Mm. and a lot of the times the image that pops into our head is kind of vague um in the book he describes it as uh seeing faces in a crowd So we smell this smell and all of a sudden this face in the crowd comes out to us and we can see it, but we can see it, but it becomes very difficult to describe that to another person to Mm -hmm. say, Hey, can you see that face in that crowd? It looks like this. And so it's, we struggle to find words 
to describe those things. Right. It's sort um, of like pheromones. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, that's you can't a, really describe, good, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, you just like, you look at someone and you kind of think of how they're going to smell and whether it's good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And to me, that is even, that is like, uh, one of the main challenges in wine because yeah. it's not that I would, uh, sometimes you doubt people's knowledge, like Psalms that have a lot of knowledge, but mm-hmm. even ones oh, that yeah. do, um, it can be difficult for them to describe to somebody who doesn't doesn't have that knowledge, um, what a wine can taste or, or smell like, or even feel like to have that light bulb go off in somebody's head and have them get it and understand it. Um, so for me, because of my background, I think in writing and right, right. really, really enjoying oh, language so in the it's game so of metaphor, when, um, yes, when you it becomes a really fun to try to mm-hmm. describe wine in a new and exciting ways. And also in that book, something really interesting, he talks about how when um, people are describing wine, they often fall back on the the kind of modifiers that you were talking mm-hmm. about, fall back that into these read. categories yes. um, that become easy to categorize things. But he talks about when he they've done kind of these experiments, experiments, I'll call them trials on like advanced psalms and how they talk about wine. And he talks about how each particular wine has its, with these guys, has its own descriptor. So none yeah. of them are using any kind of categorical language. They're all trying to like describe the wine according to its own individuality and personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think that's correct. That feels right to me. And yeah. oftentimes that's what I try to do as well as describe the wine in terms of a personality or a feeling. Um, and a, a little bit what helps too is describing the wine and how it feels and the texture. Wow. That's a little bit more objective because we all kind of have the same structure of taste. Bitter, salty, sweet, those are all same places on our tongue. The mm-hmm. cheeks mm-hmm. are the cheeks, the throat mm-hmm. is the throat. So the way that the wine moves in your mouth and how it feels is pretty objective. It's kind of the yeah. same for everybody. But our aromas and our tastes, those are pr- those are very subjective. Oh, absolutely. So when it's I like see, art. and I've seen it in real time, yeah. like it's somebody's taste. eyes glaze over as people try to describe the, like the, the smells and tastes. I'm smelling like yeah. tobacco dried in, uh, you know, my my shed while I'm picking tomatoes and whatever. They're coming yeah. up with these descriptors that other people can't smell and taste. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of feel dumb and they feel like they, they aren't getting it. Yeah. Um, and I usually try to not describe a wine that way and instead well, describe it how it feels. Well, and then people are like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and makes them enjoy you. the wine. Thank more. you for making the wine world a better place by having that <laughs> philosophy. I'm not a Psalm any longer, but I used to be. And I, I, I believe that there's a reputation of being snobby yeah. and, and pretentious. And, uh, it, you, be, you and, believe there is, it, I mean, yes, there, there is. <laughs> yeah. And I think, and I can, and I think that it, you can tell a new Psalm an advanced psalm versus an experienced psalm. Yeah, that's and a good idea. to me, you're experienced. You're secure. You don't feel compelled to have to pontificate the fresh. You know, you yeah. you just that that. So you're secure enough to just kind of create through your writing your own your your own descriptors of the wine. And I I think that that's uh, that's what we need. 
I think that if there were more Psalms like you and wine directors, I, I honestly feel that we would slowly get rid of this kind of staunchy, stuffy. Yeah, because uh, you know. part of it, part of it is also a kind of humility too, and knowing yes. knowing that uh, whatever I like, you know, for whatever reasons, mm-hmm. might not be what somebody else likes. Right. So to know that you have to adjust for that and mm-hmm. give that person exactly what they're looking for, whether or not it's something that you like or not. Yeah. Um, I don't, I feel like a lot of people don't do that either. No, no. <laughs> um, it's, and it's funny. Kind of... I often, when I go to restaurants or wine stores and I don't let people know that I know about wine, it's interesting how both when they change, how they change talking to you when mm-hmm. they figure out, you know, about wine, but when they think that you don't, there is a lot of like slightly pushiness going on. Like, no, 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 this is the one. That's what you want. With without it seeming like they really are listening to you, talk about what you like. Yeah. Um, and I and I think it, it just it's so simple. Mm-hmm. I think everyone can know what they like, and and that's really all that matters. Yeah. I'll just drink what you like, mm-hmm. and that's not wrong. There's no, no wrong or right. Yeah. And that's so, so much of it is just knowing what you prefer if you, you know, what stylistically and, and not being you know, afraid to try new things. Right. Too. Yes. Yeah. No, constantly. Yeah. Learning. Mm-hmm. And, um, but whenever I'm on a date, it's really funny. I feel really badly, you know, when they know that I have a history of wine and, <laughs> and I, I can kind of yeah. see, and, you know, the Psalm will give, you know, the man, the wine list. And yeah. I, all of a sudden I see him kind of tremor a little bit, you know, and, <laughs> and he kind of looks and then he'll just gradually pass the list to me and he'll say, I don't know anything about wine. So will the Psalm and, come back and look at and, the gentleman? It, that, yes. Like, and then Sir, I, what would you like to order? And, and then I pick the wine, but it's like, I get <laughs> guarantee that the that he does know about wine i guarantee he knows so much more than he realizes yeah that's always this that's usually always the case mm-hmm. and i mean depending on the restaurant yeah <laughs> you can't really yeah. you know i mean you can just yeah select whatever now do you find that people just select what they can pronounce <laughs> yeah some people do some people do because they don't want to look stupid. Yeah. They wanna, yeah. Well, they're like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think Italian wine can be intimidating for people. Oh, it's so intimidating. Yeah. Do you ever find, um, have you noticed that in film, a lot of films, the lead character will order Chateau Neuf de Pop? Yeah. Or, um, <laughs> or they'll order Margot. Okay. Um, okay. The but, it's really wine and film, man. Wine and wine film and is film. fascinating well, to let's, me. Let's um, segue into yeah. that because, uh, and the, I just I, my, my point was because I think they like to say shut enough to pop because it makes them sound sophisticated, it does. and Mar- it is fun to say. And Margot, <laughs> and Margot, <laughs> um, but let's um, so where where are you from? Like, you're from, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin, you're good from old Wisconsin, Wisconsin. I mean, where it's they so don't impressive. grow grapes there, yeah. So, how did you how did you grow a passion for wine? How did you even develop a curiosity? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm a pretty late bloomer in a lot of things. Um, and I really didn't drink much, even though I was from Wisconsin. Like I, I wasn't a wine drinker. I wasn't like a hard like liquor drinker. Um, you know, beer? you drank beer there. Yeah. So I'm, we drink um, beer in Michigan and alcohol was never something that fascinated me. It was just, hmm. Oh, there's another beverage for you. Um, and I was a bartender, but it wasn't at any kind of fancy bar, just, you know, okay. a Wisconsin bar, which yeah. where they serve excellent fish fries. Awesome. I don't know where to get a good fish fry out here. Fish fry. If you know, tell me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, never, I've and, never uh, seen it. <laughs> and great, and great micro beer. Okay. So, um, okay. you know, uh, that's kind of what I grew up in. Then, 
you know, I went to grad school. I went to the writer's workshop in Iowa. Okay. And the two years I was there um, was fantastic because... So you wanted to be to, a writer. I'm sorry to interject, yeah, but no, no, you no, wanted should, to... Yeah, yeah. That's always something that yeah. I, was, I was good so, at. So that was your... Um, something I wanted to do. But, it, you know, it took a, a push from, mm -hmm. you know, a couple really good teachers to be like, hey, okay. you, should, you should apply for this. You should do this. So I did, got into the writer's workshop. And okay, in Iowa. Was, in Iowa. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that has, um, I mean, it's pretty renowned. Yeah, yeah. and um, one of the things that was amazing about that program um, was that you were, you were only given time. Mm. Um, that's it. You, your obligations were almost nothing. Mm. Um, you barely had to teach. I think I maybe taught one class for five to 10 hours a week. Mm. That was my workload. Okay. So it was structured that way. So you would concentrate on writing wow. and it was, to me, it was, uh, interesting how people would either handle that mm -hmm. because a lot of the times when we have a lot of time, we have this sometimes a paralysis about acting and what to do and yeah. how to go about and it timeline. and timelines and timelines and, you know, deadline. everybody. But it, yeah. it, I mean, everybody deals with that kind of anxiety. Uh -huh. um, but again, Iowa was interesting because it was it would force you to deal with that. So here you are at this great writing program and you have all the time in the world. Um, but yet you were on your own. So mm. it was really up to you to put in the amount of work that you needed to put in and then you would get it back. So for me, um, I enjoyed my time there because it really taught me the discipline yeah. of writing. Yeah. The idea that if you really want to write, you have to spend a certain amount of time doing it and you mm -hmm. have to find some way to structure that into your daily life. Yes. And I think that's very hard to do. Um, I think that is the main challenge of writing. And um, artists, I, I think. Yeah, people you know, can have talent. that you have to create mm -hmm. out of nothing. Yes, they can have talent. Mm -hmm. They can have connections. They can have all those things. Mm -hmm. But it, unless you have that structured in some way into yeah. your daily life, it becomes really hard to actually practice that. Right. So being there for those two years, I had that. I got it you, down. You learned like I was like, that you developed this is what the discipline. I, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to work at. Well, when you're graduating, then it throws you back into the real world. It's like a okay. sledgehammer to the face. Right, right. <laughs> so because it's like, you, now you it, don't it, have any time. It sounds like a wonderful oasis, the <laughs> oh, school, is. where oh, you're just like all this free time. Yeah, but it's in Iowa, and then there's yeah. ice storms right now, and there's three feet of snow on the okay. ground. Okay, don't want to be But then there. maybe that's good for writing, because you're locked in. You yeah, can't exactly. go outside. You can't yeah. go to the beach. No, there's something kind of um, poetic about that. So, you know, after those two years are done, boom, here's the real world. Now you got to deal with that. Okay. Um, and again, you don't. You, now you don't have the time. You know, the amount of people that I knew in the workshop that were brilliant, that were brilliant writers, stuff that I love to read, you know, they don't have books out right now. Mm. You know, they, they didn't get a, uh, um, a publishing deal or an agent and they went to work and you know, mm. they're supporting themselves. I know that they're probably still writing, um, okay. even though that stuff is not out there right now. Mm -hmm. But that to me was something that I was anxious about when I graduated was what am I going to do with my life to make sure that writing remains paramount mm. or writing the, the practice of it remains daily and is and it becomes really important to me. And at that time did you have an overall objective of what you wanted to achieve oh, with yeah, this yeah, writing? Yeah. No, I still did you wanted be to be a you filmmaker. Know, yeah, or, still okay, wanted to be filmmaking. a filmmaker, still mm -hmm. wanted to be a writer. Um and so what I did was I got a job in a wine store <laughs> and I didn't know anything about wine. What oh, I wow. wanted to do was I wanted to have a job uh -huh. that would allow me lower stress yeah. to be able to concentrate on writing. That oh, was my boy. only objective. What little you knew about the wine business. <laughs> yeah. And the, the objective was to, again, create 
keep creating the daily practice and yeah. keep creating work right. um, because I love to write mm -hmm. and it's very enjoyable for me. Mm -hmm. And to see the product of that um, is also very enjoyable. So, so now you're in this wine What am I going to do? You don't know anything about wine. Don't know anything you're, about wine. It was great. Like the, the guy who hired me, um, he had been in the wine business for three decades. Okay. Um, so and, he, he just needed someone to help him out. He didn't need someone well, who no, was going to be. He did. Yeah. Um, he, I, it was, it was an interesting interview because he was like, do you like wine? I was like, uh, <laughs> he's like, we'll come back to that. <laughs> he's like, um, are you interested in learning about wine? I was like, sure. And he's like, well, you, I'm going to have to ask you for your commitment to work here. Otherwise it's not worth my time. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, great. Yeah. I can write, I mean, like, right? yeah. And you, I can I have a stable job now <laughs> yeah, exactly. and I can, and I can write. Um, and you know, wine quickly captured different parts of my imagination. Okay, so, um, and it was also, so you got it, into it pretty quickly. Yeah. But it came second nature to me. And it, and it was again, a lot, something that allowed me to still write. So I worked at that store for five years. Wow. And in, in the meantime, you know, I wrote two books. I wrote a novel, a book of short stories. Mm -hmm. I wrote two screenplays and mm -hmm. then I moved out here. So um, what a phenomenal plan that was. You know, I was being sarcastic because I initially got in the wine business thinking I, I could still continue being an actor, but I didn't have time once I got into the wine business. Yeah. Maybe that I allowed that to happen. So I was being sarcastic, but you literally found that balance yeah, where I you think were it, productive I think it helps, to be honest with you, working in the kind of arena that I do in wine. Okay. The store. Um, yeah. Being in a store. Retail. Being able to mm -hmm. work with few people. Mm -hmm. You know, I have two coworkers. Nice. <laughs> and, Sounds like, you know, I yeah. get along with them. Great. Like, it's per it's great. So I don't have to take any stress home from work. Yes. Um, you can leave it there. And I don't necessarily have to bring a lot of it home with me. Mm -hmm. So when I'm done with work, I don't have to answer 50 emails or 20 calls or things like that. Yeah. Um, that is really one of the only reasons why I'm still doing that. Mm -hmm. um, because that allows me, I mean, I've been in LA for about two and a half years and mm -hmm. it's allowed me to, you know, I've written, produced and directed two shorts. Yeah. I've got two more that I've scheduled to shoot in the summer and fall. Oh, phenomenal. So that is allowing me that. Um, and it's allowing me to kind of build up my experience here to be able to take, you know, the next step to and be able to. Did So you moved to LA from Iowa? Yes. And mm -hmm. you moved here to become a, a filmmaker? Yeah. Um, it was, you know, of course, uh, there's or a, you do it full time, rather, like to yeah, get really a, entrenched in it. Yeah, and there's um, man, I love Kubrick so much. There's a great quote <laughs> that Kubrick has, even though <laughs> that he said a long time ago when he first came to Hollywood, and he was like, you know, if anybody is interested in film, they have to come here. Like, yeah, if only because yeah. if only because there are so many other people that want to do what you want to do, mm. that it becomes easy to get stuff done. Yeah. So I tried to make short films in Iowa and it was very, very difficult. And then I came out here and within like five months, I, I already like had a shoot plan. You know, <laughs> you, like, need, you need to, and it took me a long time. And they're not, to you know, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I, keep well, going. Well, it took me a long time to wrap my head around the fact that you need to live where people are like you. Me too. I, I'm <laughs> so glad you said that. It did. It took me a long time yeah. to get that too. Like I, I fought it. I live lived yeah. in these cities where I had not, not too, one yep. commonality with it. You no. know, nobody, and nobody it, that I knew, like growing up, liked film as much as I did, sure. or liked 
you know, comedy or film as yeah. much as you did. And you think you can go through your life, like having these passions and kind of sharing them, but never right. really like exercising them in y- some way. Yes. And then you don't feel fulfilled. Um, no. And then you're kind of like, it's, okay. It's like, a lonely feeling. Yeah. And he, yeah. here I am now. Stark. And I'm, I'm, this is what I really want to mm-hmm. do, even though my life is kind of in a different direction. And it takes, I mean, that's, I, I, I applaud you. It takes a lot of courage to be able to just turn your life into a 90 degree angle and say, this is what I'm going to do right now that and, and a that's delayed epiphany yeah and that's why i, lo- I love listening <laughs> you know? to your podcast because a lot oh, of the thanks. people that you have on talk about that in a mm. in a really honest and interesting way and it all comes down to their own decision to just do the things that they want to do regardless yeah. of regardless of what the world is telling them yes and of course these are things that you're you you know take for inspiration throughout your life but that is when somebody's in front of you and they're successful and they're telling you that yeah that's an additional powerful thing for that yes Um, and and then encourages you and inspires you inspires you to be like oh well then i can do that um and yeah if you have a kind of determination and a vision to do that i think so I'm I'm really intrigued with the journey, hence that's what the show has been. It's we kind of revolve around the journey of the artists, mm-hmm. and um, we talk a little bit about their current success. But I just can't help but to really want to delve into wait, how did you yeah. get there? Yeah, and what were the emotions? What were you know? That's um, I I just think that that is the inspiration. It is the yeah, drive. I, I, you I know? still think one of my favorite shows from you is the the comic Jay. Oh, right. Jay. Yeah. Um, Jay Washington. Very I really, talented. I, yeah, I really like, uh, connected with his kind of drive and desire to just do something until he was, he was good at it mm-hmm. uh, and like not being afraid to fail on it. Yeah. Um, and that is something that, you know, I've had to deal with. And yeah. I think many artists have had to deal with is of course, failure and rejection and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, but then you see the people who finally get it and they're like, yeah, I went through that, but it wasn't a big deal now. And it wasn't a big deal then. And yeah. I think if you have that mindset, then those are the types of people who eventually succeed yes. instead of, man, I got rejected again. I don't want to do right. this anymore. I don't want to yeah. feel this way anymore. Right. Yeah. It's shitty. Um, but mm-hmm. I think the more that you kind of remain immune to that, yeah, if you uh, it's great. It's hard. like, then it's just like you're throwing eggs against the wall and yeah. they're breaking, but you're not. Iron, iron <laughs> and, uh, soil, iron in your soil. What, yeah. What iron in the soil, red rock. Yeah. Um, so, so that is, that's very inspirational when I, when I listen to your show and, and, oh, and thanks. hear those That'll make things. him feel good. He's in the hospital um, tonight. So oh, I'll no. have to give him a shout out and yes. let him know that we're thinking about him. And he's hilarious. He is hilarious <laughs> and really, really, really talented. So mm-hmm. thanks for that. And so when you're, so now you're in LA mm-hmm. and you have a, a couple books under your belt. Um, and have, and you did do produce some shorts in Iowa, or no, I didn't. Oh, I was it was okay. just too hard to get yeah to, things to together get a crew and probably exactly. you know that, that knew what <laughs> yeah. they were doing. So now you're in this creative vortex with people that are like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's collaborate. And it's nice because it it picks up steam in a way where we're what, what we're kind of talking about. Yeah, you know, like I wrote a couple shorts and got got them made, okay. and then people that worked on them, you know, were like, wow. I have this idea. Can you, can you write this thing for me? And I would, and that's how the next short film is coming about. Like I wrote it for, um, you know, this guy that who was an actor on there and he loved okay. it. And like, he's, he's all about doing that. So is, we're, 
we're shooting it in the summertime. Okay, um, fantastic. And, so, and how how about Terwar? This is the film that I saw yeah. of yours, and I was mm-hmm. just I'm incredibly, incredibly <laughs> floored. Well, just, you're too kind. No, I <laughs> love your film. Thank you. <laughs> and and it's called Terwar, um, which is uh, you know if you're a, a wino. Um, it's a comedy. That's a kind. It's a term. Oh, those of, French. It's of, a French it's a, term. It's a French term, yeah. and it's it's a it's a combination of climate and soil and altitude. Correct. It is. It is like that's kind of the the general definition. Yeah, I, I think that's the simplest. You ever see it? T e r r i o r. Yeah, yeah. It tawah. It really kind of. It's an interesting thing because it kind of is. Uh, it kind of stands for a philosophy, mm-hmm. and also it's the definition itself is really malleable. A lot mm-hmm. of people initial or a lot of people use it as a kind of like denoting the natural world. Okay. So terroir is like a particular kind of environment. And that has to do with soil and weather conditions and mm-hmm. everything like that. And how one little area is going to have a different kind of microclimate than another. I mean, we experience in LA in terms of weather where the valley is hotter yes. and here, here we are cooler. Right, um, right. So we kind of get that initially, um, but we don't often see it expressed in the things that we eat and drink. Mm. So it becomes an important concept to differentiate between wines and why does one wine taste different than the other? And so to have this as a title of your film is Mm -hmm. already really intriguing. Yeah. And, um, back to what we were kind of talking about, about how I talk about wine and how I describe wine. A lot of the times when I taste wine and I'm evaluating wine, things that I really like and enjoy or that intrigue me kind of become a personality in my mind. Okay. Um, and wine takes on this living quality, yes. which is which is what it is, right. um, because it has living juice in it. Yes, yes. <laughs> so um, the idea for the short film is about somebody who sees these bottles of wine mm-hmm. as people, as people, um, as characters, but yet nobody else can really see them. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, that's kind of, uh, it was an idea for a visual metaphor about how do you connect with somebody Mm -hmm. on on a certain level, um, Mm -hmm. whether it's through language or through emotion. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating to me that simple words can trigger these emotions in people's minds. Yes. Um, and they can also trigger them to see certain things that, of course, aren't there. Right, right. Um, so that idea behind it of being able to describe a wine where somebody can see it for its personality right, right. Um, is kind of compelling to me. And that's what the short is about. Um, it As the viewer, I, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I did not know that it was going in that direction. It was, you know, I just thought that these were real characters that were coming into the shop requesting wines. And um, so I don't want to give too much away. I don't want to be, you know, spoiler alert, but it was, it w- I was on the edge of my seat. I thought it was <laughs> really very, very creative and well done. Mm-hmm. And I loved the music. Yeah, I the music was part of it because the music is also something that comes with the personality. It kind of... Um, comes with that flow chart in my mind about how I make sense and differentiate when, okay. I'm, when I'm tasting wine and when I'm talking about wine. So yeah, every wine not only has a personality, but they also have a particular type of music and tone and style they, about them. Yes, yes. Um, and You're making wine so much more interesting. <laughs> you know, I mean, because wine is, you know, it's educational and it's, uh, it can, you know, it. I don't know. It and that's speaking very... about that, we were we were gonna we were talking a little bit about wine and film, and that that's one of the things that I, I mean, we've talked about this before over over wine. But 
how it becomes difficult to make a film about wine. Right. Because there are so very few people that actually kind of know it on an intimate level that are able to then dramatize it. Yes. One of the reasons Sideways is so good is because those people who made that film understood wine enough Mm -hmm. to know how it would inform character in many different kinds of ways. Um, And it was kind of this introduction for the u.s no about one wine. no one no one was making a movie wine, like that before a show about wine or a, a film yeah, about nobody wine. had really made that we we have and we kind of had yeah. like documentaries here and there really boring documentaries yeah but yeah. nothing much and like i i, I mean just stuffy I saw that. snore of yeah. films just oh i can't even stay awake yeah I mean. <laughs> and, I, and then sideways came and along. sideways came right. and i yeah. loved that movie i love alexander payne so much and i before i even knew about wine I uh-huh. loved that movie, and it really wasn't about wine. No, but it wine wasn't. was these the the subtext. Of- the, yeah, and a, and a kind of like again like a really beautiful metaphor for both the character yeah. and the world. Yes, it was. Um, yes, and so as time has gone on, you know, we've talked about kind of the evolution of American drinking and how like people are more apt to search for different things. They're actually more knowledgeable in a general sense too than what they were. And I'm seeing more and more people hunger for this kind of wine knowledge. Mm -hmm. People come in, I saw this documentary. I saw that documentary. I loved this. I saw this interview. But nobody has any kind of narrative or dramatization of wine. I think they're kind of overwhelmed by it. Uh, Well, that's the thing. I think that there are very few people that uh, know about it enough to be able to tell a compelling story. Right, Um, right. And so... So you're part of, yeah, part of doing the short is kind of, you know, why people do shorts to get a kind of audition into something else. So the wine feature that I, that I've written hopefully can piggyback off of that short and people can see that and watch the short and be like, oh, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about yeah. in terms of wine. So of course he can handle the material. Um, I and think make that, it really interesting. Yeah. And I think that's and, one of the, one of the fascinating things about coming out here and, and starting on my filmmaking career and journey is seeing how, um, once you're really good at something, how people like want you for that thing. Yes. And if you can do that and if you can do it well and prove that you can do it well, then you will be in demand or you will be allowed to do that thing, let's say. So if you can, can demonstrate, you know, uh, a handle on a certain kind of material, Mm -hmm. I think people would trust you with that material. Oh, agreed. Now is every, Every film going to be about wine? Are you going to try oh, no, to no, kind no, of no, keep no. it? Oh no! Okay, no. <laughs> right, I don't mean it. that. Right. I'm never gonna. I'm not gonna make more. Okay, films okay. No, but just the, this the feature one. though. The yeah, feature the feature. is gonna. I've written back. like three or four other features that have okay. nothing to do with wine. Um, well, but I think wine is just something that, let's just say, in terms of it's a strategic thing for me, mm-hmm. it's definitely a low budget film. It's not something that it would would be very expensive to make. Right. Um, well, but it's also, I think story, something, yeah, writing, and I, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also I something mean, that again, nobody really is doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. I don't think so. I I've really don't seen think people so. express an interest of, in it that mm-hmm. kind of fascinates me. It's like, Oh, you're ready for a more interesting discussion about wine than I thought you were. Um, I'm speaking to the American public. By the way. <laughs> so no, I, I absolutely think that there's uh, there's a demand yeah. for you know we talk about this a lot and I, I've even mm-hmm. hesitated having um, 
serious wine professionals on this show because I don't want it to become a, a snobby wine show. Yeah, and it can so very it, easily yes, go into that. I was I, just at a dinner yeah, at, with that, and we were tasting beautiful wine and there was only like kind of restaurant psalms there and it, and it quickly became a stuffy affair yes and i, and I don't want to denigrate any of the la wine no. scene please don't they, <laughs> I'm not doing I, they, they work really hard they, and, yeah, and that just, is their life and it just know? can become that yes and they don't realize it yeah they really and don't, it's yeah. it's something that i wish was something a little more playful and fun mm-hmm. um and kind of looser and more creative yeah and you more, see it you actually see it in winemakers more oh, i love really? it when you talk yeah. to winemakers and they're just like little kids with, so with dirty fingernails about, yep. from the you know from the soil mm-hmm. that they just you know they it's like embedded they can't even scrub it out it's like it you yeah. know it's like a fixture on their hands the dirt and yeah and yes they're just true farmers I, and humble and approachable yeah. and they, I think that they're amazed sometimes. And they're also these kind of creature, like creatures. They're, they're these pe- people that like are kind of singularly obsessed with what they do, but in such a pure way. Um, yeah. Because it has to do with a lot of the times their family tradition mm-hmm. and their idea, Generation. their idea of a continuity with mm. both the land and their culture. And so they have this like philosophy that they are just this one little link in things that have come way before and will come yeah. way after. Yeah. And it provides them I th- again with, I think it's just a beautiful attitude towards, towards the wine, um, but also towards people who want to know about it or want to learn about it. So, and, um, they, they, they become interesting people to hang out with. <laughs> oh yeah. No, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and your, your film is so interesting. Where can we, where can our viewers see your film? Is it going to be released to festivals or? Yeah, well, it's an interesting thing. So when you start to release short films to festivals, you actually are not allowed to put it out publicly, which oh, is kind okay. of fascinating. When okay. I started, started sending my first short to festivals, I had to send it with a secure link and a password oh, because that it explains a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because you couldn't, other... yeah. Cause you couldn't be like, Oh, junk you public. You can watch my short film because the film festivals don't want that. Oh, okay. Um, which is, which is totally fine because you know, it's not something that I don't, th- you know, I think will be forever in terms mm-hmm. of my short. Mm-hmm. So right now, so right now it's, I mean, it's if people want to see it, lock and key. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm submitting it to festivals right now. Um, yes, but you have to provide the link. Somebody and, wants to yeah. email me or okay. and what, what is DM your email? Instagram me. Okay. It's Instagram. Scott at Flask Fine Wines. Scott at Flask Fine Wines. Mm-hmm. And com. that's Flask, F-L-A-S-K. Yeah, and we didn't talk about Flask We didn't talk much, about it. But that's all right. It's awesome. Let's just give them a quick plug. We have to wrap, but, if the, but Flask. Oh, no, we flask, don't have to. Like, no. no? Yeah? We don't come care on. about Flask. I, I, love, I love Flask. <laughs> I do too. I love Eddie my day. Well, we, having, we've like, mentioned the whiskey. word so many times. People we have, know now. <laughs> we have. But where's Flask located? It's in Studio City, right on Ventura Boulevard. Okay, yeah, Close excellent. to Laurel Canyon. So. And a very uh, fine selection mm-hmm. yeah. of and great wines. Like I said, if anybody's interested in the film. That Scott has selected. Scott has selected all of the fine wines at flask so uh all of you locals go in and see scott <laughs> and uh and what what is your uh, what is your instagram handle uh alien and mr brown okay my two uh, beautiful cats after your two cats yeah alien and mr brown scott yeah. butterfield thank you so very much for being man on the i show. had a this great time sarah thank you so much thanks for bringing the wine yeah, man that it's gotten so my cool. cheeks a little flush <laughs> <laughs> that's the way i like my cheeks mm-hmm. all right ciao ciao
Thanks for listening to Drinking During Business Hours. Please visit sarahjhalstead.com for information on my upcoming comedy shows. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Sarah J. Halstead. Drinking During Business Hours is produced by Jason Sands. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you may listen to your podcast. Sante.